You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to another fabulous episode of Dear Multi-Hyphenate. I'm your host, Michael Kushner, and I'm so excited that you're joining me for this conversation with my guest, Sarah Hamity. As always, thank you to the Broadway Podcast Network, Alan, Dory, Patrick, you're all fabulous, and where would I be without you? If you are listening, please subscribe, rate, comment, follow on Instagram at Dear Multi-Hyphenate or at the Michael Kushner. And if you want to be a guest on Dear Multi-Hyphenate, head to DearMultiHyphenate.com and submit through my website. I'm always super interested in learning about new perspectives, new stories, uh, so please share with me. I want to get to know who listens to this podcast. Anyway, moving on, because this is such a fabulous episode and I can't wait for you to listen to it, I just wanted to give a shout out to the Farmer's Dog. The Farmer's Dog has entered our family and my puppy sandwich is so thankful for it. He's a little picky with food, let me tell you. Uh, And sometimes when he actually does like the food, it's not good for his digestion or his allergies. It's been... I'm looking at it positively, right? It's uh, it's helped us get to know our puppy in a very intimate way. Uh, but the farmer's dog sort of checks all the boxes. Uh, it's good for his digestion. It's good for his allergies. And he's obsessed with it. I could not recommend the farmer's dog more to any family that is struggling with finding the right food for their furry loved one. So if you go to my Instagram at the Michael Kushner and you go to my link tree and you click the farmer's dog referral link, you will get 50% off your first order with the farmer's dog. I cannot recommend it more and sandwich is absolutely obsessed with it. So get into the farmer's dog. And speaking of getting into things, let's get into this episode. Sarah Hamity is a born and bred Jersey girl who made her way to New York City to get a BFA in theater and pursue her acting career. A proud multi-hyphenate, Sarah has been a makeup artist since the age of 15. Artistic expression with makeup has always been a way she has loved connecting with people while building confidence and joy. Enjoy the episode. Stay in touch. Love you all. Hi, Sarah Hamity. Hi. Here we are. We're finally doing it. We're doing it. I have one question for you. Mm-hmm. Is anyone okay? <laughs> <laughs> you asked me this at the beginning of our day and now at the end of our day. The question remains. Is anyone, is everyone, is at all okay? Right. What do you think? It begs the question from me. Now, what is indeed okay? <laughs> you you truthfully crack me up. And it's so funny because it's not at all you trying to be funny. But you have such an incredible sense of humor about everything you do. <laughs> and the way that you... Na- you you're like it's so wild and this might have to be your sign are you a libra i am okay everything is the highest of stakes yes but also not the not high stakes at all right. like the lowest of stakes yeah explain 
So <laughs> the everything is nothing, nothing is everything concept follows me throughout my my sweet, sweet life. Um, I appreciate what you said. Thank you. I appreciate that. I like to have balance. And I just think life is hilarious. Yeah. Like living, like the human existence is unbelievably ridiculous to me. And yeah. I think that, yeah, if we can find that humor and also like really see how deep it is to be alive. I don't know, just being able to touch on both of those extremes helps me find my center to be able to touch on both of them. What do you think the weirdest thing about being alive or a human being is? That no one ever knows what's happening next. Like wisdom is okay. Yeah. But wisdom is innately specific and unique to one person's experience. Right. So it's like I think all the time a 50-year-old is having their experience as a 50-year-old for the first time ever. Yeah. And everyone is at every time doing something for the first time. Right. And I think that is hilarious. <laughs> and that is what makes living exciting. And obviously what makes it challenging because you're like, I have no idea what's going on. And you look to people around you and you're they're like, maybe this, maybe that. And you're like, thank you. But also you're not me, right. you know? So community is important to be able to laugh with your community, joy, have joy with your community, to feel love from your community. Makes us feel not so alone, even mm-hmm. though we are living a, a singular experience. Yeah. I think what's kind of amazing is like when you say like when you, you turn 50, you that's you're turning 50 for the first time. I sort of like I'm a sucker for tradition. I love tradition. And like at Ithaca, when we were freshmen, we had bigs that were like there was a surprise around every corner. Mm. Right. There was a new tradition and a new this and your first time going to to Tagannock Falls or your first time doing this or whatever. And when I got to be a senior, I was remembering what it was like from the freshman perspective being like this is a surprise for them or this is the first time that they are experiencing it Mm. but the exciting thing about it was living vicariously through Mm. them and their sort of naivete was so inspiring Mm -hmm. to me that there was a time where some I feel like sometimes we get to relive certain things but now with the wisdom of having already experienced it Mm. Um, is there anything like in your career or in your art form that you sort of might have that experience where it's like you had not, I don't want to say redo, but you got to tackle something again that was a more positive or informed experience because you had already done it. Uh, so we had something- Also, what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Which I love. But we're talking about everything. It's literally... It's Through the li- lens of Michael and Sarah. It's literally how we talk all the time. It's also everything but nothing. E- everything and nothing. Yeah, 100%. So what was that What was that for you? Well, I'm, I'm thinking about what you just said, the experiences you had at Ithaca. We had something... This is so, like, small, and it's not about redo. I wouldn't redo it, but it makes me think about what personal experience gets you. We had this thing at Pace called Orientusical. Oh. So it was like, you know, an orientation for the freshmen. Right. And we would sing these songs that upperclassmen had written parodies of already existing songs. 
that were associated with our experience living downtown, going to Pace, and being a Pace student. And I always remember as, you know, freshman, you're like, wow, what? And then you are a sophomore and you're like, oh, I see. And then you're a junior and you're like, here's what we need to fix. And then you're a senior and you're like, I'm just having this experience of watching freshness. Mm-hmm. And there's always a beauty in watching freshness. And there's always a beauty in being in the senior experience uh, of you know, you can take it senior, like literally a senior in college or the senior experience of living in life if you've done something for a long time and seeing, wow, it feels really nice to be secure in this situation that I'm in. But there's something obviously rejuvenating when you do something for the first time, mm-hmm. which is why I like to do so many things. Like, yeah. I, I enjoy, and this is, I guess, this is interesting to say is I like enjoy failing same I do I and this goes back to maybe the Libra like everything and nothing it doesn't mean anything and it means something it tells you what you're good at what you're not good at obviously it tells you how to be better or what you can change but being a multi-hyphenate acquiring a lot of skills just the act of trying new things makes you better at trying new things right but you might not be an expert at the thing that you try right. but you've tried it and you've had the experience and it informs something about your life and so on and so forth and so i find i put a lot less pressure on myself because of my enjoyment of failure mm-hmm. in that way as an artist i also find that can get in my way mm-hmm. because i don't I try not to overthink mm-hmm. as best as I can. I think what's great is that you bring that. So for those of you that are listening, Sarah is one of my makeup artists on my team. Dear friend, but also fabulous makeup artist. And you bring what what I love about all my makeup artists is that it's a very, very different experience for each one. And with you, it is a very, very hands on uh, I often feel like it's the two of us shooting together mm-hmm. and I just happen to have the camera in my hand because you are very invested in the color story. You're very invested in uh, a the approach to making sure that this headshot is specific as possible. And I love it because it is an, a true actor approach to – it is a true artist approach to getting, getting this headshot. And I always defer to you because you – not only are so secure in your point of view, which is like something I learn from you every day. And it's like, no, Michael, just answer the question mm. or literally just like, sh- like share your point of view and stick to it. Like you are so unwavering in that way. And it's so incredible. And it's like one of the best things about you. And also what I think every multi it needs is to be like, this is, I'm sticking to my guns here. Like, this is my point of view. And this is why I'm backing that. And I think you're amazing at doing that. So I need to take a chapter out of your book, but what it's so incredible is that you truly are invested in the story as to what is happening in the moment with this person and i think it has to do with the way that with all with what you're saying mm. is is it's about the perspective it's about you know so what do you you are a makeup artist that is one of your hyphens mm-hmm. so how do you cuz i think when people think of makeup artistry it's just it's putting on a face it's eyeshadow it's lipstick but for you it's so much more and it's evident in your work so tell me about like how you found it 
how it enhances your artistry and how and why you consider that to be a part of your multi-hyphenate experience wow that was an amazing question thank you you're welcome for what you said you're and welcome. uh that was a really really beautifully worded question it's so tough too because when, when i do things like this like you want to say it right because you you want it to get across correctly so people understand or they like feel what you feel but mm-hmm. but genuinely i have always i started doing makeup when i was 13 it was my job throughout high school it was how i got my certification it was the thing that i knew it was another skill that i had it was another way to be creative and from the time i was allowed in my household to express myself externally which was pretty young in all my parents were very um they're not creatives for their jobs but your dad's like a heart surgeon what he's is a, he? He's a heart physician, so he's a cardiologist. That's wild. Yeah, which is a really intense job. Yeah. Um, it is literally life and death, and my mom is a family practice doctor. Right, right. So it's way emotional, way emotional. So my parents were always really big with my brother and I on expressing ourselves, and I mean, we were the kids that sat down at the dinner table, and the first thing was, how are you feeling today? What's going on in your mind? You know, it was very, it was very internal, and that they understood that expressing yourself externally helped relieve a lot of those internal pressures. So I was always allowed to wear eyeliner and dye my hair and Mm -hmm. do fun things. And it always made me feel more secure Mm -hmm. about the unknown. Mm -hmm. Because I was walking into a situation every day as a young person, as a teenager, you're walking in a situation every day that's pretty unknown. It goes a lot of different ways for a lot of different kinds of people. And being a theater kid, it wasn't always the most pleasant. I wasn't, you know, the one that, uh, the way that I looked innately was not where I grew up, the like hottest thing around. Mm -hmm. So expressing myself externally was so important. And then my mom was like, you're really good at this. Let's like, you know, now apply practice, expertise, all of those things. Um, and so I just did that and I, what I love about it is the reason why, the same reason I love acting, the same reason I love singing, the same reason I love connecting with people, the same reason I love psychology and the same reason I love spirituality. It is all the same to me Yes. and it is all getting to know someone, sharing, receiving and growing and all of those things, <laughs> makeup is just the tool on on along the way i love that you said that because that is i think that is when people are like how do i be multi-hyphenate like how do you juggle it's like it's not about juggling it's not about anything other than i love these things this is how i can express myself and these are the ways that in which i can express myself like i have i directed i have and have i done makeup i have but it's not the way in which I can thoroughly express myself in this moment of time. Who knows about tomorrow? You know what I mean? But that's the key to multi-hyphenating is understanding that there are multiple ways to tell your story and to share your perspective. And you, with makeup, it is a multi-dimensional experience because what we had Andre in the studio right Mm -hmm. the other day and we wound up talking about your approach for to makeup for like 10-15 minutes because he was so surprised um at he was like wow that was 
he what did he say? He was like, "Wow, that was quick. I thought you were going to do a lot of stuff, and you." You literally were like, well, you didn't need this, 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 or this. You needed this, this, and this, and this, and this is the reason why. And how do you, how do you approach something and not second guess yourself? Because I, again, what I was saying before, the way that you make decisions is like the most admirable thing in the world. Again, I could take a lesson out of that book, how you make a decision and stick to it. So how do you make a decision and stick to it? Wow. Um, oh, my dad would be so proud to hear you say that. So in my work, definitely being present. Yeah. Like I I walk into the studio. I There is not a day that I walk into the studio on autopilot. No. I like it is so it's such a gift to be able to work with new people every day with yeah. someone you with someone that you are so close with and yeah. you respect and you get along with and the environment is so beautiful like right. i never take that for granted that helps a lot because i get to walk in here and i'm so i'm joyous i'm ready to say who are you and what are what you know how can we be of service to you yeah. which is such a gift and being present allows me to get to know that person and see what they need. And for, you know, like male identifying human beings, I think they walk into a studio, maybe they're hesitant. They're like, please don't, please don't put a lot of makeup on me. Yeah. Unless they're asking for a specific creative makeup. Right. And I think I like to dispel that by helping them understand that it's like, photo preparation yep. and differentiating that as a makeup artist is important to know color correction and grooming is about balancing the face mm -hmm. it's not about expressing certain parts of yourself through makeup which for female identifying non-binary clients it is sometimes mm -hmm. it's like throw on the pink i want to feel this when i look at myself in a photo right and that to be present to see what do you need because i can look at a human being and say this color would look great on you and this color would look great on you and that is still true and if they hate that color, I don't put that on their face. Right. Because now we're battling our intentions, which is we our intention is to make you feel good and to make you look good. And there's always a way to do that. And there's never with makeup, with art, there, there's no wrong. There is like better ways or maybe um, just more harmonious ways to do mm -hmm. things. But there there is no wrong. And so I'm I always want to express that to clients that, you know, I'm not. While I am doing this, while I am doing this thing, and this is a skill that I'm I'm doing for you and on you, we are collaborating just as much. It's true, and it's so uh, like it is absolutely collaboration. And I do notice that a lot of male identifying artists that email for for headshots will go, "I don't need a hair and makeup artist." And for one, it's safety for for me personally mm -hmm. to have you in this space as well because I'm welcoming someone that I don't know into the studio. I don't know who they are. I don't know if I'm going to need mm -hmm. a second pair of eyes in the studio. You know what I mean? Because I've had certain clients in the past where it's been an experience that's like, um, it wasn't a, when I'm, if, if a client might want like their money back for a shoot, right? Mm. I had one client that like was absolutely adamant that this shoot was not what, they mm -hmm. wanted mm -hmm. that it was not what they were expecting which happens few and far between with with us as you know and i wish that i had someone in the room with me that was like no you you are allowed to put your foot down and say you cannot give your money back because you saw all the photos in this shoot 
it was it's your outfits we didn't do, you know because there's so many things that the reason i think for me the reason why a headshot session doesn't go as well as it could is just about preparation and i don't mean to like take the take the uh focus off of you and i but we are very hands-on we make sure that the shoot that happens is about the client and if they are adamant about having a color on their skin or that they're wearing and we even though we go we don't think we should you should wear that it says a b and c as opposed to d mm-hmm. d e and f and they are still we we let them do it because it's their shoot they need to walk away feeling happy and secure and there but we are here to go hey you got two other eyes in the room and this is what we think maybe we should all think about this which is what a headshot session should be it should not it should be taken care of by professionals that are working in the industry that understand what it's like behind the table. Yes. Yes. It is so important for everything you just said. I was thinking, having so many thoughts because you were hitting on so many points (laughs) about like, I always find myself using visual metaphors because I'm, I'm that kind of thinker and it makes me think about cooking. Like the ingredients have to be fresh. And then of course you're going to have a chef and you won't catch a chef without a sous chef. Right. You won't. Exactly. There's many reasons for that. One, I think you're touching on intimacy, Mm -hmm. the actual topic of intimacy, which is really important because Mm -hmm. you are a singular person. The client is a singular Mm -hmm. person and everyone has their own boundaries and feelings and is walking into this studio with a whole life of things, emotional baggage, feelings, and it's a really vulnerable thing to get your picture taken. Yes, of course. And it's a lot of pressure on the person taking the picture. And if that person is feeling insecure or even excited or even nervous, anything can affect the energy of a picture. Yeah. And I know you and I hear so much from clients, I got these photos taken, they just don't look like me. Right. But they look really pretty. Yeah. And, you know, we always say, how can we make it look like you? The answer is intimacy. Mm -hmm. And in intimacy, you need to take care yeah it's like having three people allows you to balance energy and intimacy it allows you to feel comfortable if you know to our client today you and him clicked so much Mm -hmm. yeah like you had so much wonderful human chemistry bond things in common and he and I had less, and that's great. That's okay. It's great for you to have that and for me to be there to balance the energy in the other ways that are necessary to the shoot. Sometimes there, it's you know the opposite, or mm-hmm. it's all three, or we're really vibing and flowing with the client, and it's like so amazing to have three people. But I think what really keeps – to have structure is important in a professional space that revolves around a personal topic. What's so interesting – it's so true – and when what I notice a lot is, um, and this happened over an email, why I'm going to talk about this. It happened over an email recently, and I noticed that like sometimes people weaponize the multi hyphenate. And this is what I mean by that. Like, I got an email that was that my boundary that I put in, one of my first boundaries is my schedule. I only work at these times mm-hmm. during this, right. you know. And that is a boundary that I'm putting in. That's saying, hey, I work during this time. Please find an opportunity at the times that I listed Mm -hmm. to work with me. I get an email back being like, 
you know, well, as you know, as multi-hyphenates know, like, we're really busy. So, like, I can't, I can't make that work. Like, is there any other time? And I'm finding that a lot of people use the word multi-hyphenate to be like, well, I'm busy too. Like, can't you make it work? Like, can't you? And uh, and that is one of those things where it's like, well, I, I just don't need a hair and makeup artist. So can you, uh, can you? collaborate with me on that can you see eye to eye with me in that and it's no that is one of the boundaries that I set forward it's it's I have a hair and makeup artist with me at all times and that's the way that it is what for you is a boundary that like when an artist is going to work with you like the first thing that they have to know is this hmm. she's thinking she's thinking yeah that's interesting because it makes me think about you know, if I'm putting together a show, if I'm singing, if I'm acting. And that's about, the thing. There's different boundaries for different hyphens. Right. Like, Which I think is a great point because what we're talking about is like that the others, if they don't have the experience with it, are willing to push boundaries. Mm-hmm. But like someone saying to you, can you open up your times for me, right? Like it's... Not understanding the mechanism behind a shoot that, and it goes the same for people saying, I don't need a hair and makeup artist. It's like, well, this is Michael Kushner photography. Mm -hmm. There is a certain level of prestige and a certain level of professionality. There's a certain level of luxury that comes with the way the photos look. And it doesn't come from you skimping out on a certain piece of the session. The pictures look good because I have Sarah in the room that's like able to color correct and is able to... If I'm, t- you know, as a COVID long hauler, sometimes I get winded and you sense that and you will literally like jump in and be like, okay, let's, you know, let's take it, do this. And it gives me a second to recalibrate. Yeah. Team. Teamwork. It's teamwork. Yeah. And so t- that teamwork is what I think about when I think about boundaries, like definitely teamwork. People need to be there to have each other's back, to have that sense of structure and that sense of safety. Definitely as a makeup artist, it, it can be tough because when you do private clients, it is sometimes you and the client, but mm. you always try to either have it in a studio or have it in your private mm-hmm. home or where there's a way for you to feel like you're in your comfort space. Right, right. And the same goes for when you're, you know, building a show or you're or you're singing at a concert and it's like sometimes you're putting together work with people that you don't know that well and the best thing to do is to have team is to have community to have people that you can recalibrate with and it's the reason why the business is run the way that it is and why people choose to build casts around friends because it's feel safe yeah and i don't know it's a great question in art how do you art and business we've made it we've tried to blend it but it's very difficult because art lacks boundaries sometimes it all it more than likely lacks boundaries right and but also show business is built on the lack of boundaries so that's why they have they feel that they have the permission to ask you hey even though you've already given me this schedule can we break the rules Mm -hmm. and it's like you know i i can understand in some ways i've written to my therapist Hey, last minute, can't make this, but it would mean the world to me. Right. If you flipped your schedule and gave me a new session time and, you know, she'll respond and say, if I can make, always, if I can make it work, I will. If not, 
you know, we'll have to do something else. And it's, uh, it's just about experience. She's a 55-year-old woman who's had her business for 30 years. Right. This is not the first time someone has asked her that. Right. You know? And also, like, it's fine to ask, but don't weaponize the word. Don't be like, well, I I know what you go. You don't know what I go through. Yeah. And also that might not even be her intention, but that's how it comes out of being like, I'm a multi-hyphenate too. Like, I know you're busy. Like, I'm busy. So like, and like, no, it's not. It's not that. You could easily be like, hey, none of the times that you put forward, I really want to work with you. None of the times that you right. put forward are working. Is Do you have any other times available? If not, I totally understand and I'll do my best to make it work. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's so much different than like, you get it, you're a multi-hyphenate. Like, the don't weaponize the word. Yeah. Don't use it as this way to like, get in get what you want at the expense of Mm. the artist that you're working with Mm -hmm. you know what i'm Mm -hmm. saying like i just i don't know that rubbed me the wrong way email etiquette is so silly in 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 a way because like i do want to give her the benefit of doubt and be like her intention was not to cause any harm right you know what i mean but the way that it came the way that it was perceived so it's so funny because like those memes of like you know, I, I'm adding an extra exclamation point to make sure that you know that I am approachable, but yeah. taking away this one to make sure that you know that I am not a serial killer. Like, yes, you know, yes. and it's so true the way that like we have to sort of even like navigate online presence. It's like Ugh. even you having you in this studio right now talking to you in my podcast is like energetically night and day when I have when I zoom podcast with other people Mm. I'm I literally I'm thinking of other things Mm. I'm able to and this is why my therapist doesn't do FaceTime sessions Mm -hmm. because our bodies the reason why zoom fatigue exists is because our bodies go on overdrive trying to get the energy that we get in person so we're spent and now because we're in person I could see your body language I could see your surroundings I know where you are And I'm able to focus on the conversation at hand. Yeah. And I feel, and I don't feel exhausted in doing so. Yeah. Wow, that's such an interesting thing too, which obviously makes me think about everything else in the business, which is like, how really do you get across a skill that is meant to be live on screen? Right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's... I think about all the time, oh, you're not even getting, you're not getting my best work. Yeah. I'm not in the room feeling, living the experience of the song that I'm singing for you, giving it to you full throttle because um, you don't know this, but there's three shoeboxes behind you. My camera's tilted on the side of the chair. I've got lights. I'm sweating trying to get in this little frame where the background has no shadow and the wall is completely flat. It's like the experience is not genuine or human my neighbor just yelled at me because i was warming up for 30 minutes and i disturbed her nap because tonight she's debuting at lincoln center and so she knocked on 
my my ceiling and then on my floor and then came upstairs to yell at me again like there are so many things that we have to put in perspective when yeah. we're when we're prat when we're preparing in our own space and then putting that on zoom it's yeah. like it's is there a is there a um hello words am i okay <laughs> as i'm talking about i feel so much more refreshed at being in person <laughs> like words um is there a resolution to these issues because you and i we can't do our jobs over zoom you can't do makeup over zoom i can't take headshots over zoom so we kind of we're very lucky in the sense of i have not felt zoom i have i have not felt zoom fatigue in in ways that others have absolutely neither you know neither so which has been which has been good because Mm -hmm. you know i the only thing that i really do on on zoom is is recording these podcasts but Mm -hmm. writing that's just on the computer i could Mm -hmm. close that you know whatever and photography hey i am face to face but there are so many artists that don't have that privilege and I have to be aware of that like I'm very lucky in being able to work with people face to face yeah in this moment yeah that's such an interesting point too I'm thinking about like you just said we're so lucky that we don't have jobs that require us to be over zoom like I'm thinking so much of the world is run on technology mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. And so it relieves us from human interaction, mm-hmm. which brings us to all these points that we're talking about where we feel frustration in the like humanization of ourselves and of others, of clients, of people reaching out. It's like you do get, you do lose a lot of um, stake when you are constantly communicating on screen or on a keyboard or on a laptop and I, it makes me, I'm wondering how has photography changed for you since we started at the beginning of the pandemic when we first opened back, when we were first opening back up to now, how has it changed for you? Not from before times, from when we started in our new times. We were actually talking about this a little earlier, what, like with our client today, being very clear about the fads that have changed Uh, year to year. And the thing that I'm noticing the most is that people are bringing themselves in the room more. How many times have we heard? And this, this is just me. This is just me. This is what I do. People don't want to put on outfits anymore. They don't want to put on as much makeup anymore. They don't want to do their hair as much anymore because we had two years of sweatpants and comfort even i was watching project runway and even the episode that i'm watching literally right now it's christian siriano introducing them to the to the challenge and they're like hey we've been wearing pajamas for a year and a half um this this challenge is to like do like a chic a chic outfit that is loungewear but make it expensive Mm -hmm. and i was like yeah i don't want to i i want my elastic pants no jeans absolutely no jeans like no scratchy material doth make me excited (laughs) i want elastic my the, my swoveralls this Mm -hmm. is not a paid ad but swoveralls i love you um maybe i should get them to 
be on. I I should get a sponsorship. I'll send that email. The life of the multi hyphenate constantly just being like, there you go. <laughs> emails, emails always. Um, but with my swoveralls, like Remy and I are not out of our swoveralls at any time. And because they're so comfy and they look good. So I think like that is the thing that I'm noticing is the biggest thing that has changed is eh, I don't really care anymore. This is me. What about you? What do you think? Oh my gosh, the not taking it all so seriously thing. We have lowered the stakes. I think so. Of external approval. Yeah. Deeply. I think so, yeah. The sucky thing is that external approval in the entertainment business is what makes them money. Right. Because, you know, we can constantly make it harder and harder and harder and harder for people to achieve it. And that's what makes people want to watch it and see it and own it and have it. And it's, it's this, like, sometimes it is it's the thing that you love the most that is the most toxic. And to be able to see that and take a break from it, I think it has opened up a lot of people to hopefully wanting to get more to that genuine rooted sense of self. And I think the multi-hyphenate, why I've always been proud to be a multi-hyphenate, even when it wasn't cool and doing Ah. different things was not cool, it was actually meant you weren't serious about what you were doing. You were lost. You were constantly trying to find yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Now it is, well, I am whole when I have all of these parts. Yeah. And the idea that I am so much more than my product, me as selling myself as a product, the closer we get to removing humans as products, yeah. the closer we get to not only wholeness, but, but peace in the entertainment industry because we are not... Like, realtors, they market apartments. These are things. You put them online, they look pretty. You want them to maybe be edited and fake. We are not that. When I walk into Michael Kushner Photography, I'm not getting edited. I'm not getting fake. I'm not getting... I'm not selling myself to get something across to someone else. Mm -hmm. And I think that that all starts with the humans in the room. Everywhere. Anywhere. It's like... What's his name? Mark Cuban setting up that app that sells all these products for like actually retail price, wholesale price, not market price, which is always extorted and all of those things. It's the same things with headshots, the same things with pictures and modeling and all the things where the center is the person. Mm -hmm. You are so much more in the way that you look. There's not an eyelash, a lip color, a blush, a highlight that makes you more worthy or more beautiful. It's just all about feeling good. And if a headshot can make you feel good when you walk into a room, then we've we've done the job. And the headshot, that's exactly what it does. The headshot gets you into the room. 0.001% of the time, it actually gets you the job. But it does not get you. The headshot is not to get you the job. The headshot is to get you into the room so that you, your talents, your gorgeousness, your energy, your amazing, your presence gets mm-hmm. you the job. That's what it is. I don't think, I think everyone knows that they have to get a headshot. Right. Which is, you know, the trope. Joey Tribbiani on Friends. He know like we've seen his headshot. You know the black and white '90s headshot. Every actor that is in a film, a TV show, a something, they have their headshots. They have it when they're going, when they're you know in the in the scene where they're getting their audition. But why do they have their headshot? And it's to in today's day and age, just to get them in the room because you know I say this all the time. Before the pandemic, it was six thousand people were submitting for one role. And now it's 7.5,000. It grew over the pandemic because everything is electronic. 
So your headshot has to be so specific. Now, here's the thing. Your specificity only exists in what you are trying to achieve. So like, yeah, you should get, if you get a package of four different looks, you need to be specific in those different looks, in the things that you're going out for. Not just because you want to get different looks. Mm -hmm. Get your alphabet shot. Get your Gilded Age shot. Get your Ozark shot. And get your commercial mom shot. But if you're not a commercial mom, don't get the commercial mom shot. Right. That comes in the preparation part. And that comes into what a headshot actually is. Mm -hmm. So then in hair and makeup, you know, it's... We use that as an extension. It's an extension. Oh, commercial mom. What, okay, so are we in, you know, what commercial mom are we in? Are we in Big Little Lies or are we flow from progressive? Right, like, exactly. Who are we and what can we do to help you achieve that singularly frozen moment in time where we extend the imagination for the person across the table? Extend the imagination. I love that. And that's exactly... That's what makeup is. That's And that's and what it, that's what it is. It's just extending the imagination. and like, But like also, I've noticed that when I did shoot people um, without a hair and makeup person, and I trusted the client to do their own hair and makeup, it just didn't look good anyway. What do you think are the common mistakes that someone doing their own makeup for a headshot session, when they do that by themselves, like what are the common mistakes that someone makes? I think it kind of... You know, there's it's it dif- it's different, for, obviously, for each kind of photo session that you're getting. But I think that what's beautiful about when people do their own makeup is they're doing things that they like and they're doing things for their life. Right. The difference is that here we're not doing it for living. We're doing it to make sure we're accentuating those parts of you that help us see the kind of performer that you are. Yeah. Eyes right to the soul. You know, we want the skin to look radiant and gorgeous. We're not we don't want to be focused on the makeup. But when exactly. you use makeup in your life, like I'm right now I'm wearing blue eyeliner, I'm wearing highlight. I've got sparkles in my eyes. I've got a dark lip like I could never wear this in a headshot even though this is how I wear my makeup in my everyday life right. because when I'm going into a room, I want to look I really don't want you to be looking at my makeup. I really want you to be looking at my energy and my talent and what I'm bringing to the table. So clients don't understand. It doesn't translate the same way. You can't wear your thick black eyeliner. Don't maybe don't wear your purple lip. It depends. And that's what talking to a makeup artist helps facilitate is what's going to be photo ready, Mm -hmm. you know, for your lighting, for your camera. There are products that need to be used that are good for photography. Yeah. And then keeping you the focus, not the makeup. It's and it's. I agree with what you say, but that is not to say, for those of you listening, that's not to say you can't get those things photographed in a photo Absolutely shoot. Absolutely right. And like they, you can. I am the firm believer that you can absolutely use a a, um, a publicity shot as a headshot, depending on the project. Black and white photos, depending on the project. You need to have shots like what Sarah is saying, where you might you cannot have the blue eyeliner but you but if you do wear a beanie like you look incredible i'm obsessed like this beanie and this earring and this blue eyeliner and this lip is so fucking fierce but like that deserves to be um that deserves to be photographed because it is an aspect of you but how do you use it Mm -hmm. is that your headshot chances are no but is it a publicity shot that when you do have a concert or a cabaret or something like that you use that 
Yeah. Or what about when you are getting written? What if what if when you're for your cabaret or concert, you're, someone like Stephen Mosher at Broadway World is interviewing you for it and wants to use a photo? Bam. I don't think we use your headshot in that instance. We use a picture where you're like this. Right. And it, it helps, I think, too, you know, <clears throat> for it can be hard because not everyone has these examples, but if you have someone's career that you really admire, you know, we always talk about like look up their headshot or look up the headshots that they've used in the past and typically you'll find that the styling is is in the back in the background. The makeup is in the background, the hair is in the background. Now everyone loves a good flip and a good curl and a good wave and a good shine, right, of right. course. But these things should be just like my dad would say about choosing a partner in life. Yeah. It the the accents, the differences, they should be accents they shouldn't be the center Mm -hmm. and so if you're going to choose to wear a red lip probably the way a photography makeup artist would apply it would be different than than you Mm -hmm. and that is important the finesse of that the skill of that there's a reason that the we exist and that we are that we are there it's like you know rihanna is amazing at makeup Mm -hmm. but rihanna has a makeup artist and it's like you also don't want to be stressed about that when you're getting your headshots which you've invested time and money into you're preparing emotionally for that you know you don't want to it's like people on their wedding day makeup artists get their makeup done on their wedding day because there's a lot of pressure and a lot of it's a lot to be in charge of a of of that as well as being in charge of your internal space and your safety to get yourself, you know, the great shots that you want. You have a lot of preparation to do for your headshot. And so when you come into the studio, you should just be pampered and be like taken care of. And yet there are times where the makeup artist doesn't translate. Of course, what, nobody's That perfect. happens, but we make sure like we do not shoot until the client literally goes, this is me. This is how I feel. And 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 you're so good at also just being like, what needs to change? What needs to, you know, if there is anything, mm-hmm. you know. But you, what's funny is you asked me what I've noticed is the difference also going back to publicity photos. Yep. The difference is that publicity photos have just as much importance nowadays. Promo shots, publicity photos, social media pictures, um, whatever that is website photos as it was being called like six years ago and now is social media shots oh my gosh that's such an interesting thing too that's the difference is that that has just as much importance as a headshot because casting directors are not just looking at the headshot they are now looking to see how many followers you have what's your social media presence look like all of that stuff so that's the main difference is that and what's cool for the makeup artist is that like there's more fun to be had in terms of like spectrum oh yeah what you're allowed to do but and creativity and imagination yeah and i enjoy so much when a client comes in and is like i love to wear my makeup like this and i would love to let's do like a portrait session or like let's do yeah like a social media session yeah to be able to really get creative with the hair and the makeup and the outfit and it be about the artistic qualities of expressing yourself yeah it's like when you're doing like you know, you want to get the shot of like, you know, edgy girl in SVU and you're wearing your leather jacket and your hair is kind of scraggly and we're really getting that raw essence of like troubled teen. That is going to look way different than your like fierce blazer right. with your hair with a little wave in it and a false lash and a really high gloss. Mm-hmm. Like those things can exist in the same session. They yeah. just have, we have different intentions per look. And it's, that's where, again, when we keep talking about preparation, it's like, 
we want to give you everything you want. And it just takes like research to know, okay, who am I inside? Now, what do I look like? Okay, I have to be realistic about what I look like. I'm not blonde. I don't have blue eyes. I'm not 5'7". I'm not going to be Regina George. Great. I could sing the music all I want in my shower. Right. That's how I feel about Alphaba. Yeah. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting my Janice Ian shot. And once I do that, then I can get my Regina George essence shot. You know what I mean? In my social media, in my in those extra creative looks, I can pump up all the things that I want to to have that feeling. And then when they're on your social media and people are looking for you online and they can see all your artistic, creative, imaginative pictures, that tells us something about you too. Yeah. And that's it's so important that we're able to do that in headshot. And I love that you put that in because yeah, headshots are headshots now. They're used for what they're used yeah. for. And the portraits and the expressive shots have an equal amount of importance. They definitely do. And the purpose is that you, like, when you are doing a cabaret or concert, like, on the ticket websites, things like that, they are, they need a photo that is of a certain size that will show up in a certain way on the website. Mm-hmm. So, like, they literally serve a a literal, literal. Spe- a literal specific purpose as to how to sell something. So, yes. like, it's not just for your grid, but literally, hey, for the ticket page, we need your picture here. It needs to be this size, and this is why. So, it literally is a selling, it, it, it is a money maker. Yes. These pictures do serve specific purposes. <clears throat> I wanted to, that just made me think of, I have a really wonderful acting teacher, TV and film acting teacher. Hey, Katie. Hi, Katie. Um, And she has us do this exercise in class, uh, a a pie, cut it into eight slices. And it's typically used for in the beginning of one of the, you know, rounds of sessions. If we have new people, you'll say, in your eight slices of your pie, write down the eight things that, like, make up your life. Mm -hmm. So it can be friends, spirituality, family, cooking my own meals, part of my romantic partnership, uh, singing, like, break down the pieces of your life in a pie and get as general as you want because we're going to get more specific with each piece, but break it up. And I love that because you're able to really see what's really important to me. And people write things and you're inspired by what they write and you're like, oh my God, I want to start doing that. And it's the way that I've gotten so many of the hobbies that I have. I started scrapbook journaling. Mm -hmm. Like I was not that, I was not. (laughs) And now I am and I buy like beautiful like Quiffish tape and I like put it in a journal and then I like write in my little journal because someone said that once and I was really inspired by it but in this way I'm thinking think about your head headshot sessions and your headshot pictures each different photo as a slice of your personality it's not getting all of your slices in one it's expanding how different you are as an artist in all these different shots and again these portraits these social media pictures these 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 other photos that aren't used for slices of the pie mm-hmm. get the whole pie. They get the the all of you in one where you can do the lip that you want with the eye with you want with the outfit that you want with the lighting and the backdrop that you want where we are not trying to isolate yeah. one piece of your pie so that I behind the table if I've never met you understand that you can do this. Yeah. We want to isolate those pieces of the pie here and we want to help you do that. Yep. And and it just it, it it's important for you to look at your pie and say, What are my slices? Yeah. And then we can help you achieve that. These pictures are literally just for one purpose. If you can liter- for those of you that are listening, if you can walk away with one 
thing. These pictures are just to help you get into the room. Yeah. Showcase the things that are you so that you could just get into the room. Don't overthink it. You know who you are. And do the questionnaire when you sign up for my questionnaire <laughs> photography. It really helps. Um, so how would you identify as multi-hyphenate? What are your hyphens? What does it mean to you? How do you exist through the world as oh, multi-hyphenate? I love this question. Um, and my Libra self, I will go extreme with this <laughs> on one end. I am definitely daughter, sister, friend, partner, lover, human first. When I meet someone and they ask me, who, like, who are you? Like, I am not saying singer, actor. Sure, I, of I'm not. I am starting off, and I'm I'm Sarah. My name is Sarah. Nice right. to meet you. Um, maybe you can tell, but I'm I'm from New Jersey, <laughs> and I. But now I am a New Yorker, and in my heart have always been. I'm a friend. I'm a sister. Mm-hmm. I love being a sister. I'm a daughter. My parents are very important to me. I'm I'm a girlfriend. I'm a partner. Um, I'm all of these things in my life. As I exist as a human, those are my first hyphens. Yeah. I have chosen to be a singer, mm-hmm. an actor, mm. a makeup artist, a cook. Mm-hmm. Um, I love those parts of my hyphens, but they are not who I am first as a person. Yeah. Um, but all of those hyphens make up one whole human being. That is me. And everyone has different hyphens. And I love getting to know everyone's hyphens. That's the thing. It's like everyone. And it's so funny because it's like every not not everyone's a multi-hyphenate, but everyone also is a multi-hyphenate. It's just a matter of how you apply that and how you exist and how connected you are to that. Mm -hmm. Right. Because we're like, yes, we do in our jobs have things that we have to do. You have people skills, like when hair and makeup, right? It's hair, makeup, people skills, um, organization. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, you can you can bring it down. But what I what I like to talk about is like what's a skill versus a proficiency, and Ooh. there are certain people in the world that like I. I genuinely love hearing you be like friend, sister partner is a part of your hyphens because I and this is not me disagreeing with you and saying that's not worth worthy or anything I don't and this is why I love multi-hyphenating why it's an art form is because anyone could disagree or agree with me Mm -hmm. is that I like to keep the hyphens solely to the proficiencies not the skills and not like personal relationships because then it helps be more specific in like what's already a very cloudy experience of like I'm an actor and a photographer and a producer and a writer and a podcaster we want to like multi-evinating is not about like expanding the ands it's like taking the ands that we have and making it a cohesive experience Hmm. and so I feel like the more ands you have the more confusing it can get but also, like, that's my experience. Hmm. So if you go through life and you're like, my hyphens, the more important hyphens to me are my personal ones, hmm. the friend, the partner, the sister, like those things, then fuck everyone else. You know, <laughs> like, 
whatever. Like, I love to, first of all, I love to be proven wrong. And second of all, I love to hear other insights about what this idea is because I didn't make it up. The word came about in the 1970s. Mel Brooks, um, Whoopi Goldberg, uh, you know, all of uh, Woody Allen. You know, there are these people that existed in the 70s. Mm-hmm that were doing these things oprah you know through the 70s the 80s they, yeah. they are multi-evidence they just word didn't really exist much mm-hmm. um so who am i even though i wrote a book about it who am i to say <laughs> that it's this one thing so i want to know more about your philosophy in that sister human friend partner mm-hmm. is the multi-hyphenate experience to you. Mm-hmm. So I think that what my first thought, my overarching thought is whatever empowers the person, however, Fierce. like, however you use multi-hyphenate to most empower you, that's what I would say multi-hyphenate is. Like, if you, you have used it in this way and it has been wildly empowering to you, it has created a whole world from your mind because you use it that way. Right. So I would say like I don't know that there's a that there is a right and wrong way because I think I I use it this way because it helps ground me. Mm-hmm. If I get too labely with my hyphens as my proficiencies or my skills, the based on solely the kind of person that I am, it removes me from making grounded decisions i love that when like my my professional hyphens i have to tap into my personal hyphens to make good decisions about my professional hyphens right and i had this one memory i will never forget (laughs) it's like kind of cliche but i'm like wow damn that was deep (laughs) wow damn i was sitting behind the table um with a casting director who's mentoring me and we were watching auditions for this regional production of ghost and this girl was unbelievable and basically she was offered in the room and she started crying Mm -hmm. she was like my sister's getting married in the middle of the run i don't know what to do and the director he gave good advice in this moment um he said there will never be another sister's wedding. There will always be another show. Yeah. You can't take this. Yeah. I redact my offer. Oh, shit. I will get you. I'll see you on the next one. She checks her phone. Her sister's not getting married anymore. <laughs> <laughs> she texts her sister. You fucking. Um, and I remember being like, <gasps> because 17 yeah. year old me was like, I would miss anything. I probably would do it at 30 years old, too. So that's very important because in this moment, and I saw the relief over her face. She was upset. But the breath she took after that was like, like the decision was no longer hers because she didn't have the grounded skills to make the decision that when she was 50, 60, that she would have to look back and say she missed her sister's wedding. That person had enough, here we are, run it back, wisdom and experience and age to say, you are human first. Yeah. 
if you've booked this show, you will book another show. Yeah. And if you never book a show again, that was your destiny then. Yeah. Then that was always meant to be the way it was going to be. And we as artists, at least I struggle with that, didn't catch that one. Well, now what? And it's like, what's? it's all going to unfold. Yeah. The way it's meant to unfold. Yeah. And now in, in my life, I am able to make decisions with my personal hyphens as the leading lady. Yes. As the, as the heart first. Like, well, <clears throat> if I do this, I would miss this experience. Right. And even like currently right now that I, I auditioned for something and there is a personal experience that is now conflicting with this project that mm-hmm. I would potentially be a part of. And I know in my heart I can't miss this personal experience. And it's a battle. It's not like you always know. But for me, at least, for Sarah, my personal hyphens are my guide. I'm obsessed with that. We're conditioned, again, what we were talking about with the industry is that we're conditioned to exist in a certain way. And for me, you know the story, but when I was in high school and I was in my bad car accident my teacher I was I had a show that night and I was at 7 47 in the morning car accident was in the hospital till three went basically was like please I, let me go I have a show tonight went home took a nap came came back to this to the school and this teacher really did not like me there was just a lot of stuff going on and when she saw me backstage when I went to go do the show, she goes, where's your homework? And I go, so sorry. I don't know if you know, but I was in a really bad car accident this morning and I did my best to get here for the show. And uh, and she's, she's like, no, no, no. I know about the car accident. When I found out you were in a car accident, the first thing that came to mind was how am I going to make elegies a four-person show instead of a five-person show? You know that you have homework due. I want it on my desk in the morning. I meant to say, and I forgot to say that she's the choreographer of the show. And that's how I was conditioned, is I was in a car accident and rushed to the hospital and still showed up for that show, but it wasn't good enough. I didn't have my homework from the morning because my homework was in my car, I guess. You don't even have to say the rest of it. It simply is. Exactly. Couldn't possibly matter more than your health. Exactly. But that's how I'm conditioned in the industry. Of oh yep I'll miss my sister's wedding no problem she'll totally understand I'll Facetime I'll Facetime her while she's getting mm-hmm. ready so that's really important. People's impacts on us are heavier than we think. Yeah. Walk through the world with your humanity first. Think about it before you say it. Yep. And if you're gonna be in an educational situation where oh you are God. an educator, please specifically. I just can't imagine why you would choose a career in human connection of any sort and and not be able to carry that with you. When you yourself are not a human. <laughs> as we get older, my dad always says, my, we only get more so. So if you, if you were never shown empathy, kindness, and love, then that's just how you're going to grow and how you're going to take it. And I just, I do believe that we all have access to this thing and... I don't know. I feel like I'm in this business and I'm in this community with for a reason. And it, it's like, well, we're all here to show the human experience. Have one. Yep. Have one and, and enjoy it because it is difficult to be a human being, but it is 
pretty cool. Sarah Hamity, you're the absolute best. Where can we find you on social media? Oh my God. You can find me at Sarah Hamity on all social media. Just S-A-R-E-H-H-A-M-A-T-Y. Oh, did I just spell that for you? I, I, you, I think Michael. you did. <laughs> um, you are amazing. And I thank you so much for being here. Thank and you for having I me. love you times a thousand. I love you so much. You're the best. See you soon. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.